You're listening to XVGM Radio. Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Mike. And I'm Justin. And this is episode 71, Board Card Games 2. Yes. Not Isletric Boogaloo. Just... Yeah. No. <laughs> no subtitle this time. <laughs> we are diving back into board and card games, but we are doing it with a bit of a twist. Last time, there was a very heavy focus on board games and a little bit of card games like Uno, that type of stuff. Board games were like Monopoly and Battleship and, you know, all that type of stuff. But this time around, we're taking that and we'll have a little bit of that here and there. But now we're focusing a little bit more on video games that are also board games. Mm -hmm. Yes. The first track that we came in on was Mario Party 2. And the track was Spaceland. This came out on the N64 in 1999. It was by Hironao Yamamoto, Shohei Bando, Kazuhiko Sawaguchi, and Yasunori Mitsuda. Uh, Yasunori Mitsuda, of course, being the primary composer on most of the Mario Party series. Yes, yes. So this one was a lot of fun. So Mario Party 2, I think, if I remember correctly, is like the most popular Mario Party of all time. Uh, or at oh, least, wow. At, at least it was when I checked uh, like a year or so ago. Cause I, I, you took I, a poll of everybody online? Like everybody? Yeah, yeah, the entire internet. <laughs> filled, out, filled out my poll. No, there, there was a, a, a lot of like Mario Party ranking things are like we rank the top top five Mario Party games and like right. different different listicles like those uh, and almost every one of them had Mario Party 2 at the at the top and for the little experience I have with the Mario Party games uh, I would agree I've played Mario Party 2 probably once or twice in college um, I'm more familiar with the ones on the Wii and the Wii U Okay. Uh, but I, I prefer the, a lot of the older style stuff. I mean, it, it's gotten a bit overcomplicated or they, they've also changed things a bit 
more with some of the Martian games, but this track, mm. so Spaceland, I mean, who doesn't want to go to space? Martians? Because they're always in space? <laughs> I mean, by, by that definition, I guess we are, too. Uh, uh, what else? <laughs> carrots? Carrots probably don't want to go to space. I, I might argue that. I, I don't and, think carrots uh, feel very strongly. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Shovels? Shovels might not want to go to space? Probably, yeah. There's probably not as much for shovels to do in space, so I'll, I'll accept yeah. that. But, okay. yeah, okay. no, I just, <laughs> I, I really like the feel of this one. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of big, bombastic. It makes me think of almost like shuttle launching in, particularly like shuttle launchings in video games. Like, if you think of yes. when the High Wind was launched in Final Fantasy VII or mm-hmm. when they launched whatever the name of the spaceship was in Final Fantasy VIII that I can't remember, or just in general, like, there, there was a very, like, almost momentous type of a sound to the to the start of the song, and mm-hmm. I, I also really like space, so it, it's got me in the title. It kind of starts off though with those very twinkly sci-fi keys you know the and then it kind of jumps into that more orchestral bombastic style it is a testament to Yasunori Mitsuda specifically mm. because his sound has for the most part it has always been very orchestral bombastic uh very like you know but mm. I have more experience personally with Mario Party 1 uh, oh, and original. Mario Party yeah Mario Party 1 and Mario Party 4 and the Wii one, Mario Party Works at eight, I think. Those are the ones that me and my brother used to play all the time. And uh, eight, I used to play a lot with friends at my very first apartment. So we would play that game quite a bit. I kind of fell out of the Mario Party series just because I got older and, you know, I don't really have as many people coming over to play with me, you know? Especially right Gross. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... I don't know. Mario Party's cool. I like it. It's basically a board game where you play as Mario and the assorted Mario characters that you'll see in like Mario Kart and Mario Golf and Mario <laughs> Soccer and all, all all the Mario you know sports games. It's cool. It's, it's a lot of fun. It does get frustrating though when uh, <laughs> you know you get to the end of the game and then like Luigi gets the gets like a thousand stars for no reason and he wins. Yeah, the bonus stars. Uh, yeah. the, the entire game is irrelevant because by the time you get to the end, the bonus stars usually make or break things uh, and I mean it it makes sense they, they I, I also know many people who call this game the friend ender you're the friendship yes. ender, you know like yeah all, yeah all the Mario Party games like if you if you treasure your friends don't play these games unless you know that your your friendship can weather anything because right man. exactly <laughs> yeah my wife won't play Monopoly with me because a friend of ours and myself kind of ganged up and cheated a little bit Ooh. so I definitely would not be able to play Mario Party with her because she would you know she would lose it if like we got to the end and she was like what what the heck Daisy stealing all the stars you know so and then Daisy would just be like hi I'm Daisy you know that's how it would go. Anyways, composers real quick. Hironeo Yamamoto started off with Team Innocent, The Point of No Return in 1994, did the first Mario Party as a programmer, and also Bomberman Online in 2001. We're going to talk a little bit about them a little later Mm -hmm. uh, as well. Kazuhiko Sawaguchi started off with Team Innocent, The Point of No Return. They have a similar line of tracks here. I'm going to pick something random. Front Mission in 2002. And Gravity Rush 2, they were the synth programmer. So that was in 2017. Yasunori Mitsuda, I mean, dude's done everything. <laughs> Final Fantasy V, he did the sound effects. That was his first game. Legaya 2, Duel Saga 2001. He's pretty much the primary composer on the 
Chrono series, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. We talked about him a lot during the Chrono Trigger episode with mm-hmm. Singing Mountain, but he's also the composer on the Xenoblade series, Xenoblade Chronicles and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which he also did tracks with Yoko Shimomura on. Shohei Bando also has quite a lot of games that they've done. Vertical Force in 95, Saturn Bomberman 96, a bunch of the Mario parties, Bomberman 2 in 2008. Their latest game was Nikolai's Pencil Puzzle in 2011. They are primarily a sound director or sound programmer, uh, so maybe not as much in the music composition category, but uh, still worth mentioning. I'm interested in what you have to start us out with, so let's uh, let's slide on into that. Yeah, so let's hit it off with... Our first track that wasn't the intro track, Slay the Spire, is the game that I've picked. It came out on all the modern systems pretty much in 2017. The track's called Exordium, and it's by Clark Abowd.
Hey, welcome back. That was Slay the Spire. This came out on the Switch, the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, Windows, Mac, and iOS devices in 2017. This track was called Exordium. It's by Clark Abowd. Yeah, this... What do you think of this one? I, I feel like this is likely what we are going to see fairly commonly throughout this episode because I'm uh, remembering back to the first time we did board and card games. It was a lot of like, not to write it off, but like kind of like elevator music, like real kind of chill stuff. And mm. this topic, but we're, we're doing things slightly differently. So like this, this track was a de- definitely not what I was would have expected from, you know, what we did last time. Uh, mm. It was kind of creepy uh, at, at times, which I liked. Overall, I got like a real like Tim Burton, Danny Elfman-esque kind of feel from this track, which okay. you know, brings me back to like Corpse Bride and Nightmare Before Christmas and stuff like that. And I, I really liked it. Like it was... Mm. It was just not what I was expecting from a card game soundtrack. <laughs> hmm. That's interesting, because I got a more Lord of the Rings kind of... I, I got cinematic, so I'm on board with you there. But I didn't get, like, the la-la-la-la-la-la-la that's, like, in every da- Danny Elfman kind of song. A lot of his songs are very swirling. Like, a lot of, like, swirling orchestral mm. moments. This was more, like, very staccato. Dun-dun-dun. Dun, 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 dun. It was very, like, slow and creepy, but it built up to something that wasn't really swirling. It was more like a, like a, a strong tone and very, like, battle-esque. I got more, yeah. like, battle-oriented music. Yeah, so uh, as you're talking about it, I, I realized, like, I, I referenced two movies that are probably the... not. <laughs> I referenced two movies that are probably the worst two movies for me to reference in conjunction with this song because you're absolutely right. right. This is not Nightmare. This is not Corpse Bride. What I, yeah. what I do think it, it goes up against is Beetlejuice. Like, okay. th- think of the music okay. from, from Beetlejuice and that was the, you know, the same duo and you've got a lot of, like, you've got some swirling stuff but you've got the, like, dun, 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 Like, it, that's true. Yeah, so. That's true, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but, yeah. this game, Slay the Spire, it's inspired by deck building card games. So it's not actually a deck building card game in the sense that you can go to the store and, and buy it, like, you know, collectible card game or whatever. Right, right. It's inspired by deck building games like Dominion as well as the collectible card game called Netrunner. Mm-hmm. So this game is like a combination of like a roguelike inspired type of game uh, it, in terms of the gameplay, kind of mixed with a deck building card game. It's kind of weird like that. But you start out the game playing as one of four different types of characters that are all like pre-set up, predetermined, And you are essentially starting off with a certain amount of gold, a certain amount of life. You get a specific relic that allows you to uh, attach like an ability for your, each character that you have. You get an initial, like, amount of cards that allow you to do things like a simple attack or uh, more, like, defense-type stuff. Uh, All the cards are, like, color-coded depending on what you're doing. So uh, the whole point of the game is to work through uh, the levels of the spire. So a spire is like a tower that you're going through, and each portion has different types of battles that you can reach until you get to the final boss in each 
section. So there's all different types of monsters. Uh, you can heal at campfires or you can like upgrade your cards so you can get like better versions of the existing cards. It's pretty cool. It sounds neat in terms of the concept. So if you like turn-based kind of JRPG type stuff in terms of like card-based JRPG type stuff, I think you might dig this. It's more Western-based, more like traditional like sword and sorcery type stuff. But right, right. Yeah. So it's it's pretty neat. The, uh, the newest version of this came out on Android actually in 2021. So oh. actually it came out just a few weeks ago, um, February 3rd to be specific. So uh, that's the newest port that I just found out about. But otherwise, the original game, I believe, came out in like 2017. Uh, most of the versions that came out came out in 2019 on, on modern day consoles. So Gotcha. I don't have any experience with the game. I never played it, but uh, it seems like a neat concept. The composer, Clark Abowd, only has five games to his name. Crashing Season in 2015, Crazy Machines 3 in 2016, Gravity, not Gravity, but Gravity, hmm. with a B as in boy. And then in kind, and then in 2019, he did Kind Words, his final credit. Nice, nice. So yeah, pretty cool. But I'm ready to move on, and I know you got a game that you're about to pick, which uh, <laughs> I'm. I played a lot of the DS version, but I'm curious about the version that you picked. So what oh, is it? All right. So this is going to be Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics. This came out in the Switch in 2020, and the track is BGM Toy Sports Toy. And there aren't any credits listed that we could find, but we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back.
Welcome back. That was Clubhouse Games' 51 Worldwide Classics, the 2020 Switch release. The track was BGM Toy Sports Toy, and we couldn't find any credits listed for it, but uh, Wikipedia actually lists uh, Chemi Ishii, also known as Masayoshi Ishii, uh, as well as Toshiki Aida. So we'll uh, we'll go with that, because <laughs> uh, I like giving credit to somebody. Sure, for sure. <laughs> First off, the title, BGM Toy Sports Toy. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's 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 what I found on the OST. Uh, yeah. if, if, it, if it goes by another name, I, I didn't find it. So it, 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 the, a lot of the names of the tracks mm. were weird, like either repetition of like the, the first two tell you like what section of the game it's in or something. Mm. But yeah, there, there's a lot of tracks in this game soundtrack and mm. they're all pretty laid back like this one uh they, i mean they 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 range in a lot of different styles mm-hmm. uh, i think the toy sports section or w- whatever area it was there's a lot of stuff that sounds kind of like minimalist robotty like not not that the track is robotic but there's a lot of like beeps and like electronic sounds in it so mm-hmm. It's just sort of the the theme of that section of the soundtrack, but that's that's also what I one of the things that I really like about it. Like I, I just kind of enjoy the the laid back, easygoing rhythm and just having like the, these beeps and whatnot from something that's not like that's not chip tunes, not like the bleeps and bloops that we listen to in the NES and the SNES. Mm. It's it's very clearly something more modern and clean. I got a very strong Hip Tanaka vibe from this track oh yeah 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 actually there, there's a couple sections that remind me almost of like the me music or the me verse music type stuff uh i was gonna say kind of like a combination between like maybe metroid and like the mario paint music it's very like oh, okay. lo-fi minimalist kind of but mm. it also has kind of a chirpy chippy kind of vibe mm. to it too with those like robotic sounds but i i was digging it it's definitely a good track to play like something with the clubhouse games i really loved the ds version of clubhouse games i played it quite a bit when it first came out but tell tell us a little bit about clubhouse games and, and why you picked this track so i picked this track because this is actually a game that's on both my wish list and my wife's wish list we're oh, waiting cool. for it to go on sale mm. because i can't remember how much it is right now but it, it's just one of those things like there's a lot of games in it and it does look really good mm-hmm. but i just don't want to pay full price for it. yeah it, yeah the clubhouse games even when like when the initial one came out it was like for the Yes, it was like full a full price game, and I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I want to pay full price for just you know simple card and board type games, you know. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot in it though, so mm. I, I think you have to unlock some of them, or may, maybe it's just you, you can get a demo and you yeah. can play like a very limited version of this. But there are 51 games in in the actual <laughs> larger game. Some of the ones that I found kind of interesting that I don't really see all the time. There's a, a Japanese card game called Hanafuda that, mm. that you can play in this, and it's it's very very simple and it's very quick. Uh, it takes a little while to learn, but it it's a really neat kind of game. There's a lot of different uh, like solitaire games, and uh, I I really liked. It's got a battle tanks and a team tanks game, and mm-hmm. that's just it's like it's not really a board or a card game, but I appreciate that they 
that they included it in here because it's just it's just a really neat thing. And then uh, like toy versions of of sports games, which yeah. is where this track comes from. Like there's toy tennis, soccer, curling, boxing, and baseball, as well as air hockey. Um, oh, and slot cars too. Yeah, a lot of times in games like this, it's just like really cheaply put together mm. card games and some like generic board games, and then the music is either non-existent or it's just like doesn't fit. Yeah. But I, this felt like somebody put some like love and thought into it for sure uh you mentioned hanafuda playing cards and you know this the importance of that right i believe that's uh how nintendo got its start that's correct yeah nintendo yeah. started off as a hanafuda uh playing yes. card company right yep. right right yeah there's some pretty cool games in here i like mancala i like yeah. the fact that mancala is in there that's that's really cool stuff like you know checkers dominoes four in a row chess <laughs> backgammon you know you've got all billiards golf bowling darts all those toy games that you mentioned uh, a bunch of versions of solitaire like mahjong solitaire mm -hmm. spider solitaire there's also piano which is i guess just playing a piano yeah yeah, yeah. i i also like that they, they have um like you can play speed the card game uh, as well as chinese checkers like mm -hmm. i don't see chinese checkers that often these days speed the card game of course based on the movie speed uh, yep. Yeah, uh, one person plays as Keanu Reeves, the other play person plays Dennis Hopper. Is Sandra Bullock? Oh. Wow. Or Dennis Hopper, or Sandra Bullock, <laughs> maybe like a third, you know, player, you know? <laughs> it's co-op, yeah, the yeah. Keanu and the, the Sandra Bullock have to team up. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, the golf courses in the golf game are recreations of the nine holes from Wii Sports, which they themselves... Oh. Oh. were inspired by golf for the NES. Kind of neat. Huh. Yeah. That is really cool. Good to know. Yeah. So these assumed composers, uh, like I said, Chami Ishii, also known as Masayoshi Ishii, started out doing music composition way back in 1992 with Ginga Ojosama Densetsu Yuna and has been pretty active ever since. Virtua Striker 2 in 1999, they were sound creator on that. Sonic Rush in 2005, as well as Devil Kings in 2005, they did music on that. Uh, Cooking Mama in 2006, Cooking Mama 3, Shop and Chop in 2009. Uh, more recently, you've got Mario Party 10 in 2015 and Super Mario Party in 2018, as well as Cooking Mama Cookstar in 2020. Cool. And then Toshiki Aida, Started out in 2009 doing guitar on Wii Cheer 2, and then has done a number of Nintendo properties since then. Mario Party 9 in 2012, Wii Party U in 2013, a Mario Party 10 in 2015, and then Super Mario Party in 2018 is the most recent credit. All right, well, it looks like we are getting a call on the caller request hotline. Let's go ahead and take a call. Janine, pass that over to us, please. XVGM Radio, who's this and what can we play for you? Uh, Luron, a power pellet? A, a power pellet? Is, is this Pac-Man? Uh, no. Luron, an energy drink? Energy, like, uh, like a monster? I, I, I could probably go for a monster. Uh, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean an energy drink. You know, to get new energy? I thought we were on the same page, but it, it sounds like we may be talking about different things. Who, who is this? My mom's Eddie. Eddie. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is Mega Man, right? Oh, no, Eddie, I think you have the wrong number. This is oh, XVGM Radio. no, I did it again. Oh. Yeah, we're a radio station, but did you want to request a song? Yeah, uh, sure, why not, I guess. Ugh. Play Cold Island from Wyatt and Route No Rockboard. That's Paradise. Okay, oh. bye. That was sudden. 
Okay, yeah. Uh, I didn't <laughs> think he could dial a phone. He doesn't have hands. Yeah, that means he dialed either with his mouth or his feet. And that's just gross. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, he wants to hear Wiley and Wright No Rockboard, That's Paradise, which came out on the Famicom in 1993. This is the Mega Man board game, video game. Mm. This track is called Cold Island, and it's by Yuki Iwai. Games episode part two. This track that we just heard was from Wiley and Wright No Rockboard, also known as That's Paradise. <laughs> or that's the parentheses part. Yeah. That was the Famicom exclusive release that came out in 1993, and this track was called Cold Island by Yuki Iwai. 
So this is an interesting game that I've known about for quite some time because I remember trying to play it in Japanese on like a <laughs> any like an NES emulator back in the day because mm-hmm. I was just desperate for anything Mega Man. So I was just like, because I'm a huge fan of the classic Mega Man series. So any excuse to play anything new for Mega Man, I'm going to go for. But this was one of those things that was just so outside my wheelhouse that like <laughs> playing anything with that much Japanese, I was just like, oh, I, I just can't play this. It's basically Monopoly, but with Mega Man. There's different boards that you have, but regarding like buying and selling like for properties and stuff, it's more like construction of like laboratories. So you can play as one of five characters and the game is two to four players, uh, either being controlled by human players or computer players. I believe that that means that this supports the multi-tap. Either that or you pass the controller around. Yeah, that could be too. If it's a board game, you're usually not doing something else on somebody else's turn. Right, that's correct. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, So you can play as one of five characters, either Dr. Wily, Dr. Wright, also known as Dr. Light, uh, Dr. Cossack, Mm. Kalinka, and Roll. So no Mega Man, no Proto Man, none none of that. So obviously this came out right after or shortly thereafter Mega Man 4 because it includes Dr. Cossack and Kalinka. Mm -hmm. Neat. There's four different boards that you can play. Typically just you have players go around the board and you collect money and if you land on the uh, E canister, start square, it's like kind of like pass and go. You can buy property and then people, if they land on it, uh, they can pay rent. It's Like I said, it's basically Monopoly. Monopoly yeah. <laughs> uh, it does have some neat features like with Robot Transform where some of the boards offer a Robot Transform square and that changes the the person who's playing into one of Dr. Wily's robots for a, com- a full completion of uh, the board. Hmm. Um, so, for example, depending on which robot that you get, they'll do different things to the board. Like, for example, Gutsman will destroy, uh, like, if he lands on a laboratory, he'll destroy it. Shadow Man will steal other players' cards. Uh, Dustman steals rent. <laughs> so it's it's pretty neat. I, I mean, it's, it's a clever concept. I don't know if there's a translation for this. I think there might be now. But if not, this should get, a, should get something. What did you think of the track? The track was really neat. When it started, I was just like, this doesn't sound like a Capcom track to me. Uh, And then the more that I listened, the the more I realized it's not that it doesn't sound like a Capcom track. It didn't sound like a Mega Man track. Uh, It it did sound like a Capcom track. It actually kind of reminded me more of like Capcom when they've done like Disney licensed stuff like um, Chippendale and stuff like that. Yeah. This felt like somebody made Mega Man music, but it wasn't good enough to be in a Mega Man game. (laughs) So they put it in this game. And that's not saying anything negative towards Yuki Iwai. Cause he's Yo, a Mike is totally composer. dunking on Yuki Iwai. No, I love Yuki Iwai. He did the <laughs> Mega Man X2 soundtrack. That's like my favorite Mega Man X soundtrack. Confirmed so. right here. Mike said he hates Yuki Iwai. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I got you. Yo, Yuki, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> Anyways, Yuki Iwai may as well talk about him. He started off with Gargoyles Quest 2 in 1992, mm. and then the year right after he did this, and then he did Street Fighter 2 Turbo music design. So not com- composition, because that was that was Yoko Shimomura. Uh, followed it up with games like Mega Man X, Mega Man X2, Goof Troop, Aladdin. He did the arrangement on Tech Romancer in 98. He's done a ton of stuff for Capcom. 
But uh, at some point in time uh, after the year 2000, when he did Spawn in the Demon's Hand and Project Justice, he left Capcom and ended up doing stuff for IREM with like R-Type Final, uh, R-Type Command in 2007, and R-Type Tactics 2 Operation Bitter Chocolate in 2009. Ooh. I swear that's the real name of the game. Uh, it's a PSP IREM tactics-based RPG R-Type game. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. I don't know why it's called Operation Bitter Chocolate, but I kind of want to find out. <laughs> but that's a story for another time. True, true. Yeah, what do you got for us? I am coming up with a game within a game that became its own game. This is Gwent, the Witcher card game, which was the card game from the Witcher series, which actually got its own full game release uh, in 2017 on the PS4, the Xbox, and Windows. The track is called Northern Realms, and the composers on this are P.T. Adamczyk, uh, Mikolaj Stroinski, and Marcin Pribilowicz. Thank you for tuning into XVGM Radio. Uh, the song that we just heard was Northern Realms from Gwent, the Witcher card game. It came out in 2017 on the PS4, Xbox One, and Windows, and was composed by, and I apologize now for both my previous <laughs> butchering of the names and what I'm about to do, <laughs> P.T. Adamschik, Mikolai Stroinski, and Marcin Prblowitzwitz. Yes. I, I, yeah, you yeah, totally. That's as good as it's gonna get. There's too many consecutive consonants. You totally just pulled an army of darkness right there. Klaatu, Verata, Marson. Yeah, there you go. Yes, mm. I, I am very sorry. I did not prepare for the episode by practicing the name, and that that's really the the issue. I, sh- I should have prepared, and I didn't. So you caught me. You caught me with my pants down. That's it. No more cookies. Go to your room. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Anyways, this was a very s- s- Irish, Scottish thing. I got a very, like, Eastern European, but more, like, specifically Ire- Ireland, Scotland kind of sound. It had that kind of... I, I don't know what that instrument is. I don't think it's a hurdy-gurdy, but it very well could be. That very, like, 
uh, I don't even know what you would. I don't need. It, I don't know how to it, explain what that instrument is. I assume that the primary instrument here is violin, but it, there there could be hurdy gurdy stuff in there with with yeah. some of what was being done. But overall, it it felt like violin to me. This track kind of reminded me of our previous. Uh, artist that we spoke to a while ago, Lucia Loretza. Oh yes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, I, I feel like this the, the, this would be right up her alley for a for for a nice cover. It, it felt very warm. It mm. also felt very emotional, uh, yeah. and it was very it, it was short too. So it got done what it needed to get done in in a relatively quick amount of time. Yeah, which for I sure. appreciate. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think I mean like if it went on longer, I don't think it would be able to accomplish much more. So. Uh, I think it's good that they kind of put the kibosh on it uh, when they did. But yeah, it was a cool track. You may want to correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't a lot of the Witcher music kind of sound like this? So probably. So the thing is, I've played the first hour or so of the first Witcher game. I haven't touched the second Witcher game, and I have a number of hours in the third Witcher game, Mm -hmm. which is actually where the the card game came from. So Ah. Gwent was introduced in the the Witcher 3 The Wild Hunt, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was... Very simple uh, and popular enough that they decided to make a, a full game out of it. I have only played Gwent once or twice. Like, you have to play it once at least for, like, a story quest. Uh, and then I think I played it a second time, and I'm not very good at it. <laughs> it's it's not complicated. It's only three rounds. The game goes really quick. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, you, ha- you have a deck of, like, 25 cards. And you you pull I think a hand of like five or seven each, and then like you play a card and your opponent plays a card and that's a round and then those resolve and then you do that three times, and it's very very randomized because like I said you're picking out of a deck of twenty three or twenty five mm-hmm. and it really just comes down to like there's no mana or anything like that like you're not tapping to play something you just play whatever the best thing in your hand is mm-hmm. to do whatever you need to do and. It's all up to luck of the draw. Um, it's not super difficult. Like there is strategy involved, but the, the the strategy is limited to you know what you what you have. So the, that's it's a huge luck aspect. Um, I have not played uh, like the standalone Gwent. I've only played it in in game, and that they've actually made a few a few changes to it over uh, over the years. One of the expansions, Thronebreaker: The Witcher Tales, changed a few things about the card game. I'm not going to get too deep into it because uh, I'm mostly going to be either reading off of Wikipedia or talking out the side of my mouth because um, I I'm not super familiar with all of it. I just know that the Witcher game is fun. Gwent is a neat game. It's it's just. Uh, your 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 card game or your side thing in in a bigger game has to be really neat to, to get me into it. Like yeah. Final Fantasy VIII, I I was really into Triple Try. I was wondering but, if you're gonna go there. That's it's yep. funny because as soon as you picked this track, I was like, oh man, why didn't he pick Triple Triad? That would have been perfect for this. And I love that track too. Triple Triad is one of my favorite songs on that soundtrack. Nice. So uh, I'm, I'm saving it for for a rainy day. Rainy day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious if you play as the characters playing the card game. Like, are you playing as, what's his name? Like, oh, um, the Witcher, uh, Geralt. Geralt. Yeah. I only know, I know, I only know that from Soul Calibur six. So I haven't played any Uh, of these games. So you should watch this series. The series is really good. I've heard it's Um, good. It's on Netflix, but yeah. So you, in the game, you play as Geralt and uh, Siri at they you switch off at times. Oh, okay. And yeah. And and when, when you play the game, like there are certain people, I can't remember if they have a a picture over their head or what it is, but you can tell, Oh, when you talk to them, I think there's an option to like, you want to play a game of Gwent. Oh, Um, so it's you against random NPC or Mm. 
specific NPC, whoever, whoever it is, whatever it is that you're doing. Oh, okay. So, you, so that's how it is in Witcher Three, but yes. there's there's most likely like a separated vibe that you'll probably have for Gwent for oh. the actual separate game. I'm sure you're not walking around like challenging people. It's more likely just a card game oh, and like you're passing yeah. it around and you know playing yeah i believe you're you're just like in a lobby and you can you can find games you right. can set up games with your friends kind of like on, on the first board and card games episode i played uh from uno on the xbox ps like it's all over the place so the three composers on this uh should be pretty quick uh pt adamchik started out with this game the gwent the witcher card game in 2017 doing the music on this uh doing music on the expansion Thronebreaker, the witcher tales in 2018 they did some arrangements on far cry 5 in 2018 and their most recent composition is for cyberpunk 2077 in 2020 and then we have mikolai stroinski started out doing music on the vanishing of ethan carter in 2014 and went on to do a lot of music, Mousecraft in 2014, uh, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, and all of the expansions in 2015 through 2017, 18. Uh, compo uh, composition on Sniper, Ghost Warrior 3 in 2017, Attack of the Earthlings in 2018, and most recently Metamorphosis in 2020. And then finally, we have Marcin, who started out doing music on Zoovet Endangered Animals in 2008. And looks like they got in with CD Projekt Red fairly early. They did additional music on The Witcher 2, Assassins of Kings in 2011, uh, and then stuck with, uh, with them for a while. Uh, I see Hard Reset Exile in 2012. They did additional sound design. Uh, the Witcher Adventure Game in 2014. That's the video game version of a board game for The Witcher. That also would have been a good, uh, good pick for this episode. Hmm. Uh, the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt in 2015, as well as all of the uh, the expansions there. They are listed as the principal composer on Soul Calibur 6 in 2018, and most recently they are a music director for Cyberpunk 2077. Most likely this Soul Calibur 6 credit is most likely for uh, Geralt, for his theme. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move into a retro game. This is Super Battleship, so we're going to go back to the whole board card games Thing that we kind of started off with on way back on episode three. So this game came out on the Super NES and the Genesis in 1993. This track is called Title Screen and it's by Christopher Barker.
welcome back to XVGM Radio's Board Card Games 2 episode. That track that you just heard was from Super Battleship, and that was the Super NES version of the game. It also came out on the Genesis in 1993, same year as the Super NES. That track was Title Screen, and it's by Chris Barker. And this is one of those situations where, like, you know, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I'd like to think I have pretty good taste in VGM. And this track, I remember I heard it, and I was like, yeah, this isn't bad. And I was kind of half hearing it. <laughs> but listening to it again, man, this is not good. It's like all <laughs> all the notes are like way off. And I'm really trying not to insult the composer because, you know, I don't know him. And maybe he was going for something specific that I just mm. don't recognize. But it sounds like somebody who didn't know tone and didn't know how to use the right notes. It's like all the notes are like tweaked and... It's not like creating any kind of vibe or anything. It's just like unsettling because the notes are wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like they were using like weird samples or there, there was something warped about the samples. Yeah, really weird. And there's not a ton of music in this game. Like most of the music is all really short, like, you know, you did it kind of stuff or like, you know, moving on to the next part of the game, like really short little blurbs, like, you know, like, okay, move on, <laughs> uh, you know, like that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to showcase something a little different that is not a pick that I would normally pick. And so that's why I picked this track. So not my best, admittedly, but I don't know, maybe it'll get people talking. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what else to say that hasn't already been said. I mean, I felt like there was some kind of a nautical theme to it and I, I only say that because having played a number of like stuff in high school and college like anchors away and other like navy related things like there's a weird like feel or theme to them that i kind of picked up here but outside of that like i don't know i don't i don't have a whole lot to say about this one the, the horn samples yeah. were interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah like initially i think what intrigued me is the like the rising and falling kind of action of the synth notes. But then when it gets into the awkward like moments where the notes are totally off with those horns, I was just like, ugh, like, no, bad song. Yeah. Ugh, I don't know. Anyway, Super Battleship, there's two different modes. It, Battleship, pretty simple. If you've never played Battleship, what's wrong with you? Go play Battleship. And then watch the movie Battleship and be totally disappointed by the fact that they never truly say, you sunk my battleship. I think they kind of snuck in like a weird way of saying, you sunk my battleship. But like, it wasn't that. It was like, our battleships are sort of sunk or some dumb, stupid movie thing. Like straight up, if you're going to make a battleship movie, the number one thing that people want to hear is, you sunk my battleship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If that is not in the movie, don't make the movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. But that's how it goes. Anyways, there's two different forms that you could play in this game. Classic Battleship and Super Battleship. Mm -hmm. Classic Battleship, basically pretty standard battleship. Players set up their ships on a grid. And then you take turns going back and forth. You choose three places at a time to target to hope that they hit in classic? the... Yeah, hmm. that's classic mode. And then the game ends, of course, when opposing players have no more ships and all their ships are sunk. Uh, there's four different difficulty levels in the game. Ensign, Lieutenant, Commander, and Admiral. Now, Super Battleship involves eight levels consisting of 16 missions in total. 
There's different missions that you get where you can like do enemy ships where you got to sink the enemy ships throughout different rounds. You get to escort ships to locations. You have to defend cities, all kinds of stuff like that. I would say it definitely adds a more video game-esque element to the game hmm. other than just, you know, doing playing battleship. battleship yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pretty much. Yeah. So not much to say about this one. It's Battleship. So I don't know the differences between the Genesis version in terms of differences between the Genesis and the Super NES versions. Uh, I will say the music was done by Chris Barker on the Genesis version as well. Mm. So it's there was some additional music that was provided by Craig Utterback, but that was exclusive to the Genesis version. So I'm not sure how much of a difference there is. Gotcha. Yeah, but Craig Utterback was listed on the Super NES version, but just as sound effects. Hmm. So Chris Barker started off his audio career in video games with the third Courier in 1989, then did Vengeance of Excalibur and Spirit of Excalibur. I guess the whole Excalibur series. I'm not quite sure if this is a real game or not, but Homie D. Clown, <laughs> based on uh, Damon Wayans character from the In Living Color hmm. show. There's apparently a DOS game that came out in 1993 for that. And then after that, he just kind of did a bunch of other random games. His career ended with Front Page Sports Football Pro 98 in 1997, where he did sound effects. And after that, just kind of disappeared. Poof. Somebody sunk all his battleships. (laughs) Oh. Boom. Nice. Nice. All right, yeah. Let's uh, let's move along here into my next pick. We're going slightly askew from traditional board and card games. We're going with pen and paper, tabletop, dice rolling. This is Dungeons and Dragons: Warriors of the Eternal Sun. This came out in the Genesis in 1992. The track is Jungle Combat and was composed by Paul S. Mudra, Frank Klepaki, and Dwight Kenichi Okahara. VGM Radio. Hey, diddly ho there. That was Dungeons and Dragons Warriors of the Eternal Sun, the 1992 Genesis game. 
The track was Jungle Combat, and it was composed by Paul S. Mudra, Frank Klepaki, and Dwight Kenichi Okahara. That was dope. I liked it. Yeah, I particularly like the opening section that gets repeated a couple times with just like the the, the and then the, like the crazy runs. Solos. <laughs> yeah, crazy guitar solos. <laughs> and I liked two things about that part. One is the panning, which is really cool because mm. you get the in both ears you get the bam bam bam, and then in the left ear you'd get you know crazy solo, and then bam bam and then mm-hmm. you go in the right ear for yep. the next solo. So that was really cool. I, I dug the panning effect. So if you didn't hear that, go back and listen to it in stereo with headphones or whatnot. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah no, and I, I, I like how the second one g- g- does the ding, 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 and then there's just like a ding. And yeah. And it does the... It's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. Th- this weird little sting. This just really tickled my fancy. It was just super catchy. Unfortunately, from what I hear, the game is not. So I is not catchy. Yeah, the the, the, the game <laughs> the game didn't didn't go over all too well. Right. So this is an RPG. It, it's a Western RPG based on obviously the Dungeons and Dragons role playing games. This came out in the early '90s. So if they were basing it on any of the actual pen and paper stuff, it was likely Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Second Edition because I don't think Third Edition came out until like the late '90s. In this game, you play one of four characters, and the characters are built similarly to how you would build them in the tabletop game. They have all the stats, uh, you know, strength, dexterity, constitution, charisma, intelligence, and wisdom. So you create a party of four characters, and you can pick from the classes of cleric, fighter, magic user, thief, dwarf, elf, and halfling. Yeah, this uh, definitely is not third edition. Uh, <laughs> magic user is a is a really old school term this might be based off of first uh first edition D, actually oh wow but yeah, that's right and dwarf dwarf is a class not a race oh so that's real old school D. okay um, so the the story is that duke barrack's army uh is at war with a goblin army and uh, as the goblins are you know attacking his castle a tear opens up in the sky and everybody is transported to this alternate reality where there's a red sun the castle sitting in the middle of these cliffs and then as this party of adventurers your job is to go out into the this strange world and find clues as to where you are and how to get back home and go Um, to denny's and and ultimately go to denny's right right but uh (laughs) yeah it it looks like an interesting game the Hmm. music is is far better than the reviews so (laughs) yeah yeah, there's about 29 tracks in total composition-wise, but uh, I dig it. It's a good track, and it kind of makes me want to check out the game. But you know, most reviews for this game have been saying it's basically you know not as good as superior titles like Fantasy Star or yep. you know the Final Fantasy. So I don't know. Maybe it's like a competent Western-style mm. RPG. But uh, from what I'm reading about this game, I guess the developers were not familiar with the tabletop version of the game so i guess like Mm. creating the game had to be very difficult for them and uh, they had to kind of make make the game fit into the DD rules based on the sega genesis's limitations uh, for what they could do I prefer the Dungeons and Dragons beat 'em up that came out from Capcom. Tower the, uh, of Doom? Tower of Doom and Mysteria or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. That's the second mm-hmm. one. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. No, same. Th- th- those are fun games. I remember playing them uh, in the arcades. Yep, yep. But these composers, so Paul S. Mudra started out doing music composition in 1989 on Hillsfar. He was uncredited for that, but he went on to be credited as a musician in Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Did a couple different D&D related things. Eye of the Beholder, as well as Eye of the Beholder 2 in 1991. They did sound effects uh, and some character gen stuff. Dune 2, The Building of a Dynasty in 1992, they were a musical lead. In 1999, they did Dune 2000. Uh, They did audio direction on that their last music credit uh, appears to be Monopoly in 1995 but their last audio credit is for Command and Conquer Remastered Collection in 2020 they did audio direction and then we have Frank Klepaki started out doing music composition on Eye of the Beholder 2 The Legend of Dark Moon in 1991 they did a lot of work along the same lines as Paul, actually. I'm seeing a lot of the same things here. Dune 2, Dune 2000, Blade Runner in 1997, they did composition on. Mm. Yeah, he's known as the uh, Command and Conquer composer. He's done, you know, a ton of those, so good stuff there. Yeah, yeah, all the way up to Command and Conquer Red Alert 3 in 2009, and then as well, they did audio direction on Command & Conquer Remastered Collection in 2020 mm-hmm. along with Paul. And then Dwight Kenichi Okahara started out doing music composition on Battletech, The Crescent Hawk's Revenge in 1990. Uh, and then again, followed very much the same line as the other two, doing a lot more sound design and sound effect. But their last music credit is also Monopoly 1995, and the most recent audio credit is for sound effects in, again, 2020's Command & Conquer Remastered Collection. Nice. Let's move into another Sega system. This is the Dreamcast release for Sonic Shuffle. So very similar to Mario Party, which we'll get into after the break. This came out in 2000, and the track is called Space Encounter, and it's by Hidunobu Otsuki, Ryo Fukuda, Takeo Suzuki, Yoshitaka Hirota and Kazumi Mitomi. Here we go. Here we go. 
Thanks for joining us back on episode 71. That track that we just heard was from Sonic Shuffle, which came out on the Dreamcast in 2000. The track was called Space Encounter, and it's by Hidenobu Otsuki, Ryo Fukuda, Takeo Suzuki, Yoshitaka Hirota, and Kazumi Mitomi. I don't know. Like, this has a very trip-hoppy kind of vibe Mm. to it. I'm almost shocked that Hideki Naganuma's name is not attached to this Mm. because he uses a lot of those sound samples, like, you know, vocal samples, like, here we go, and, you know, let's do it, you know, hit it. A lot of those kind of trip-hoppy kind of funk styles. And so this track kind of feels like it's one of his tracks, but it's not. He's not credited anywhere on this soundtrack. But this track feels almost like it's unfinished. Like, you got those, like, really kind of twinkly pianos that kind of float throughout the track. But I don't know if it's the trip-hoppy kind of nature that makes it feel unfinished. But, like, to me, I got this vibe like the track wasn't finished being written. And that they just kind of were like, eh, it's good enough. And they put it out. (laughs) I don't know. What, What did you think about it? I enjoyed the track overall. It... Didn't really leave me with anything in particular. I got the same kind of trip-hop vibes that you got. I like my trip-hop to be a little on the minimalist side, mm. so I, I didn't quite get the like the unfinishedness that, that you were getting, mm. but I also don't think I was listening to it in the same sort of brain space that you were. So that, I mean, all that's to say is, like, it's a neat song, it's a weird game, and yeah. other other than that, like, it's something that I, I wouldn't mind hearing on like just a nice day yeah no i agree i will say that you and i are opposites when it comes to trip hop because i like the trip hop tracks that are very trippy and very like you know noisy and busy Mm. uh and and the ones that are laid back are good but like i definitely prefer the more uh like the less minimalist style i like the, the more busy type stuff um yeah no i understand a lot of that stuff i just we're, we're, we're just diametrically opposed in that, uh, yeah. in, in that sense. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, Sonic Shuffle is basically a poor man's Mario Party. That's pretty much every review on it. <laughs> it's 100% true. Game is not good. The mini games are very difficult to understand, you know, unless you play them multiple times and then you kind of understand it. They don't explain them very well. The point of the game, story-wise, is there's this fairy that you're trying to help retrieve these things called the Precious Stones to save her planet or world called Imaginary World, and you're trying to save that from Void, who is the game's bad guy. You can play as Big the Cat, E-102-Gamma, Supersonic, and uh, you can also unlock Chow. Those are the more obscure characters. Aside from that, you could also play as Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy. So, no Rouge the Bat, no uh, Shadow. Shadow, nope. Yeah, no no Silver, no none of that. Well, Silver wasn't around anyways. Yeah, I was going to say, Silver was an abomination from another time. Right, right. There is a card that summons Dr. Robotnik, or Dr. Eggman, as he's later called, who steals players' rings. You know, pretty much like when you get the Bowser card, or like you land on a Bowser spot in Mario Party, and Bowser comes out and he goes, and then he, you know, (laughs) eats your babies. But 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like a garbage Mario Party. There's no other way to say it. I guess it's uh, it's it's a it's a fever dream. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is especially this was when Sega was basically like, put it out, put anything out. Nintendo did it. All right, let's put it out. Didn't go well, and uh, this is one of the final games uh, that came out for the Dreamcast uh, in 2000. You know, shortly before they they killed it in 2001. So. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, well. But it did get assistance from the Mario Party team, basically. <laughs> they jumped on and were like, hey, uh, this is how you make the game. And then Sonic Team was like, what? You do this? And then they ruined it. So, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well. So, but the music's not bad, so. Yeah, no, the tunes are good. I just wish that the game was better. Because yeah. I'd like to hear the music while I'm playing the game, but I don't want to play the game, so. Hidenobu Otsuki was the first composer that we mentioned. Started off with Tobol number one in 1996, and then they were basically taking on a more like production type of career with Bomberman 64: The Second Attack, Sonic Shuffle in 2000, and Final Fantasy IX in 2000. They were quote unquote manipulator. Ryo Fukuda only has three credits: Sonic Shuffle, Shadow Hearts, and Shadow Hearts Covenant. Again, manipulator and sound manipulation. Takeo Suzuki, this is his only game. Nice and short and sweet with that. Yoshitaka Hirota has a much larger soundtrack listing, starting off with Live Alive in 1994, then moved on to do games like Final Fantasy III, Sicken Densetsu III, and uh, several other high-ranking Square games like Super Mario RPG, Final Fantasy VII. They were the primary composer on Shadow Hearts Covenant. Final credit is Romancing Saga 3 in 2019. I think that is a re-release credit. Anyways, it looks like we are getting another call, uh, this time on our Patreon hotline. So we should go ahead and get them over here so we can play their song. All right. So, Janine, go ahead and forward the call over for our Patreon pick. Caller, you are on the air. What can we do for you? Hey, Dad. Sure, Anson. What you have in mind? I'm thinking something from Itadaki, Itadaki. How do you say that? Itadaki. Right, Itadaki Street DS. Something I clearly haven't heard of before. Much less pronounced. Sounds good to me. Which song? How about the entirely unexpected Super Mario RPG remix featured in that game? Fascinating choice. Wherever did you come up with that? You wrote it down for, I mean... It just came to me. Hey, whatever works. Great choice, though. Nintendo was loath to even acknowledge that game existed after Square left them in the late 90s, and especially once Paper Mario became a thing. I know, right? I flipped my lid when I learned it was in there. Thanks, XVGM Radio! Aww. That is that- adorable. That is lovely. Well, that's thank- the, that's, that's the cutest call we've ever had. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Thank you, Jordan and Anson Davis, our patrons, for calling in and requesting Itadaki Street DS. Obviously came out on the DS in 2007. This track is called Hello Happy Kingdom, and it's the arranged version of that track. It's also known as the tutorial theme, and it's originally composed by Yoko Shimomura.
right. Welcome back from that Patreon pick from uh, Jordan and Anson Davis. Thank you, guys. That was Itadaki Street DS on the DS in 2007. The track was Hello, Happy Kingdom. It was arranged. It was also known as the tutorial theme. And the original was composed by Yoko Shimomura. And we believe this version was arranged by Koichi Sugiyama. Koichi Sugiyama is the composer for these Itadaki Street games in general, though we couldn't find one for this one, so we're making assumptions. Yeah, I mean, the Dragon Quest series is also involved mm. in this, because basically Dragon Quest and Super Mario Brothers combined into a board game, which you'll tell us more about, but Koichi Sugiyama is the primary composer on Dragon Quest, so it's weird to think that he arranged this track, just because I'm so used to his very Dragon Quest bombastic style that trying to wrap my head around him arranging Yoko Shimomura's track is just, like, mind-boggling to me, but <laughs> I like this arrangement. It's really fun and energetic. Not that the original wasn't, but I guess with newer hardware, it really brings to life the track a, a whole lot more, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, no, I, I really like this one. Actually, I, I'm pretty familiar with the Super Mario RPG soundtrack, and it was funny, when this was suggested and I gave it a listen, I was like, this sounds really familiar, and I, I couldn't place where it was in Super Mario RPG, but the Super Mario RPG track was Hello, Happy Kingdom, right? Yes. I don't know, it, it sounds... I, I like this arrangement, uh, is it, kind of all I can say about it. Like, the music from Super Mario RPG just in general is kind of iconic to me, and uh, I generally wouldn't have it any other way, but this this arrangement sounds faithful to the original while updating it just a little bit like it doesn't feel redbook audio to me it feels still like many but higher quality sound samples and higher quality just everything going on here right so right i definitely appreciate that yeah it didn't sound too far away as an arrangement from the original too it, it mm -hmm. basically just sounds like the original with a fresh coat of paint right right mm-hmm the game, the Itadaki Street games, I believe there's multiple? Yeah, this series only came out in the U.S. as a game called Fortune Street Fortune on Street, the Wii. Yes. Right, right, right. Yes, okay. So, yeah, so that, that's the only one that, that we got in America was Fortune Street, but the rest of them are just Itadaki Street. This one is DS, and as we all know, Nintendo loves to do things with the letters like... DS, uh, the Castlevania game was Dawn of Sorrow. Right, right. Um, and uh, and stuff like that. So in this, the DS technically stands for Dragon Quest and Super Mario. But yeah, no, I, I always appreciated how Nintendo did that. But it is a board game. If it's anything like Fortune Street, that means that it's a lot like Monopoly. Yes. <laughs> Where I feel like I feel like a lot of these these like quick and dirty video game card games tend to be a riff on Monopoly, whether it's just a straight riff with a skin change or slightly different things. Because I, I do know that Fortune Street has... It, it, it's slightly different than Monopoly, but overall it is very much... Like, you move around the board, you buy shops instead of houses or hotels. Um, you collect money from everybody else who lands on shop spaces if you buy the shops and whatnot. There are things that can uh, that can allow you to forcibly take over somebody else's space, or you can make people inactive. It's again, I can't talk about it without comparing it to Monopoly because it is very, very similar with True. minor, minor details. The characters that you can play in this game, you can play as Mario, Luigi, Yoshi, Princess Peach, Donkey Kong, Wario, Princess Daisy, Waluigi, Birdo, Bowser, and Toad. And then also from the Dragon Quest series, you can play as Slime, 
Angelo, Jessica, Pudding, Bianca, Dragonlord, Elena, Kirill, Yangus, Carver, Platypunk, and then there's also just a generic boy and girl character. I am not familiar that much with the Dragon Quest series, very sporadic entries that I've played or checked out or whatever, but when you said Pudding, my mind immediately went to Pudding from Space Channel 5, (laughs) and so all I heard in my head is the scene from Space Channel 5 when one of the characters goes, look everybody, it's Pudding, and then I wanted Pudding, like to eat Pudding, (laughs) not the girl Pudding, but like... I just wanted, like, some chocolate pudding, and now I am really hungry. So thanks, Justin. Anytime. Yeah, yeah Pudding is the character from Dragon Quest II, Luminaries of the Legendary Line. She's also known as Princess of Moonbrook. As far as the composers on this one, Yoko Shimomura, we have talked about many, many times. Yes. Uh, in, over many, many episodes. So uh, the, the big thing there is Super Mario RPG. We'll chat real briefly about Koichi Sugiyama. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got to give a shout out. Of course you do. For Yoko Shimomura, Radiant Histori Perfect Chronology. Of course you do. (laughs) I was waiting for it. I mention it like every time she comes (laughs) up. And I'm going to make people play that game. Y'all need to play it. Anyways, go. Yeah. So, Koichi Sugiyama. (laughs) In terms of being a composer, he is mainly stuck with Dragon Quest. Yeah. From the beginning, you know, with the oh, yeah. original game, right, all the way up to Dragon Quest Eleven, which recently had a, uh, a re-release on like PS4 and I believe PC with that uh, definitive version. But he also did like a lot of uh, anime too. He did like Cyborg 009, Magical Knight Rayer. He did Gotcha Man the movie. Like he's done a bunch of stuff and even video games like outside of. Dragon Quest. He's done a, a lot of uh, the Sheeran the Wanderer games, like EVO, the Search for Eden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a great game. That is a Super NES game that is very expensive, and I believe is done by Enix, right? Mm-hmm. Published by Enix. Yeah, so that yep. makes sense because Enix. Here's my last pick: Battleship, Connect Four, Sorry, and Trouble. This is a collection of those four games that came out on the DS in 2007. This is the Sorry in-game music, and it is by Mark Cooksey.
All right, welcome back. That was Battleship, Connect 4, Sorry, and Trouble. Specifically, it was Sorry's in-game music. It came out on the DS in 2007. And this track was by Mark Cooksey. And it definitely has that Mark mm. Cooksey kind of floaty, relaxed vibe, kind of mixed with this, like, jazz music <laughs> kind of elevator music. I was just going to say, uh, this is going back to kind of the elevator music stuff that I was talking about earlier in the episode, and, and I really dig it here. Like, this was Surrey in-game, so I haven't played Surrey in so long, I'm trying to remember. Like, so Surrey is the one with the, the little pegs, and you can, like, if you land in the same space as somebody, you send them back to the start? Right, and then you have to say, sorry! Yeah, And look yeah. at them all like, I'm a jerk! Yeah. Like, Yeah. Yeah. That's apparently in the rules. Yes, yes. You, you, yeah. you have to, you have yeah, to yeah. do it all nasally and, and sound. Right, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and then look at him like, I'm 12 years old. Like, yeah. Yeah. just like that. Yeah. Yeah, buck teeth and everything. Uh, so, yeah, you have to get all your pieces home before any of the players. So, yeah, it's a Hasbro game. It's based on a Indian cross and circle game called Pachisi, actually. Parch- which I did not know Parchisi? until today. No, Pachisi. Oh, jeez, that's confusing. Yeah, P-A-C-H-I-S-I. So, kind of neat. Yeah, Sorry has had a few games here and there in terms of video games, but it's almost always as part of, like, collections. Yeah, yeah. um, With these uh, these other games that uh, we're talking about. But I haven't played this one, but, I mean, you know, it's a collection of video game board games so it's uh i thought it was cool I, I i dug the muzak jazz aspect of it this is definitely a track that i could vibe out to while playing somebody in sorry and then looking at him you know while i jump their pieces and go sorry <laughs> yeah i mean i i feel like this, this helps to sort of soften the blow of getting screwed over in that game because it's like yeah you're already laid back and chill so like something happens you're just like all right dude it's cool whatevs yeah 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 it's I'll all get, right i'm just okay. vibing i'll get you back <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Mark Cooksey, we've talked about before plenty of times Mm. on this show. He mostly started off doing games on, like, Commodore 64 type stuff, like uh, Airwolf in 1985. He did the Ghost and Goblins conversion in 1986, which I think was maybe the Amstrad CPC version. He mostly stuck with British PCs, or the European PCs uh, market, up until the Game Boy era doing a lot of Game Boy stuff. I think we played a track on one of our Spooky Fest episodes from him doing... I'm pretty sure, yeah. He did Dr. Franken, I believe. That was the track that we played. He also did Mass Destruction in 1997, the Saturn and PS1 game. Pitfall Beyond the Jungle in 1998. Men in Black, the Series 2. VIP in 2000. I believe that's the Game Boy Color. Oh. That game. makes far more sense. Yeah, there is a VIP game that came out on PS1, One, yep. it's, and it's that's not the Pamela good. Anderson game, right? Yeah, yep. based on the series. The Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance games are great, though. Definitely check them out. Huh. They're really fun. Yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of dumb because, like, you're running around as this, like, you know, like, when you get a caricature done of yourself mm-hmm. at, like, a wedding or something like that? Yeah. It's like that, but Pamela Anderson. <laughs> So she's got these humongous breasts and, like, oversized head and, you know, squinty eyes. And she's just, like, running around with pouty lips, like, shooting at everything. (laughs) It just looks super goofy, but, Uh. like, it's a really fun, like, Metal Slug-type game. So kind of a hidden gem. 
Commander Keen in 2001, I believe that's the Game Boy Color game. And then final credit was Rabbids Rumble in 2012, where he was part of the audio team. But before that, this was his last game credit. Wow. Nice. Yeah, 2007. Yeah. All right. We're going to close out this episode with your final pick. What do you got for us? Uh, this is going to be a weird one. You'll understand why when you give it a listen. The mm-hmm. game is Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival. This came out in the Wii U in 2015. The track is called Board Game Event Opposite Day. And uh, we do not know who the composer is. I own this game and I there's no credits. I have no idea. Wow. Really? Yeah. Okay. Right, welcome back from our last track that was Board Game Event Opposite Day from 2015's Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival that came out in the Wii U, and we don't know who did that. Billy. <laughs> Billy did it. It might have been Billy. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe maybe it was Bimmy. <laughs> yes, it was maybe Bimmy. No, this, I mentioned this during the break, but like this episode produced some really weird wonky picks i dig Mm -hmm. it i'm still cool with it even though eh, my (laughs) my super battleship pick was not great but this track was like if nintendo composers wrote a track and then played it backwards yeah more or less like they're so when i decided i wanted to play someone from this game uh, i went to try to grab the composers and everything and i had a lot of trouble finding them and then i was like well maybe it's the animal crossing composers so i looked up animal crossing composers and there's a few of them and so like i I really couldn't nail down who it could have or might have been the music in the game sounds kind of like a lot of the other like miiverse and nintendo land and kind of like hip tanaka type music yeah yeah um so i can't say for sure who it is or isn't but i do know I tried this I took this track and I put it in audacity and I reversed it because I was like I want to hear what the original sounds like and guess what there's parts that are backwards and forwards 
regardless of how you do it. So if you play it backwards, there are still things like that sound. You can you can tell that they that they're reversed sounds. Wow, that's weird. So it's like so. they wrote parts of the track forwards, and then they wrote pa- parts of the track reverse, and then you just threw them all together. So that way you couldn't play them backwards, and yeah. that's weird. What what I think they did is I I think they took another track and they 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 put it backwards, and then they were like. It already sounds weird as it is, but they were probably like, "It sounds way too weird. Let's mm. change. Let's change out some of the sounds and and place like place certain sounds forwards in this backward song." So it just no matter how you play it, there are sounds that you can tell that are backwards. It's really neat. It's really quirky, kind of like this game. Yeah. Um, have you played this? Yeah, actually. So I am ninety nine percent sure I played this with you and your wife. Yes. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I can't remember who we played it with. We played it with, with a number I, of people. I did not like it. <laughs> well, I remember so, sitting there playing it with you guys, and she was super into it, and I felt so bad because we were playing, and I was just like, uh, she was like, this is so much fun. And I'm like, uh-huh. Like, I felt yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I feel you. I kind of sit somewhere in the middle, closer to you on, on that, because it's like Mario Party with less work if yeah. that makes any sense like the mini games are, are cute but there's not really a whole lot there like you're mm-hmm. you're basically just there to push buttons to make people go through and then to, to roll dice yeah like there, there's a randomized factor of the dice you can scan in i guess the different amiibos or amiibo cards from like happy home designer or other uh animal crossing games mm-hmm. and it, it gets you characters and things in the game and the boards are kind of neat but they're really just like there's not a whole lot like you you make a few decisions here and there but you're really just kind of rolling the dice and then okay this thing happens in the next person's turn it's very user input light right right yeah and so i think because of that it just was not my cup of tea personally but uh i'm glad your wife likes it it's a cute game and i think that's that's the thing that she likes the most about it is like the, the character's I never got into Animal Crossing. I totally missed that boat, <laughs> and I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't have anything <laughs> against cute stuff. I just don't find it attractive. It's hard for me to put into words exactly what I mean, but like, it doesn't appeal to me, and it never mm. did, and it never will. So it's like <laughs> one of those things that, like, it's a Nintendo franchise. I respect the fact that there's tons of fans of Animal Crossing out there. The music is always kind of intriguing because there is some good stuff in there that I've heard, but Mm -hmm. it's just not my thing. So, I don't know. It's Sims for Nintendo fans. Yeah. And and I never liked Sims, so... Yeah, same. same. I'm the sort of person, aside from maybe games like ActRaiser, where I don't like building stuff. That's why I never liked Minecraft or or any of that Mm. sort of stuff. I like stuff built for me already. To me, video games are like reading a book, you know, in the sense that the book is there, you open the book, you read the already pre-written story, and when you finish it, you're like, ah, that was great, or whatever, you know, that was tasty. (laughs) Or it's like a meal, you know, you eat a really nice meal, and you're like, oh, that was great. These types of games are like making your own meal, but it tastes like the ingredients. It doesn't taste like the prepared meal to me. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's a shame we don't have specific composers for this. If anybody does know the specific composers for this track, feel free to let us know. Uh, you can email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com or shout us out on our YouTube video for this episode. Put a comment in there and we'll credit you 
for whoever the composers are. Or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram either. I mean, yep. we're XVGM Radio there, and you can uh, absolutely slide into our DMs. Yeah, yeah, for sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All, All right, right, so now's the time when we pick our favorite tracks of the episode. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Dungeons & Dragons, Warriors of the Eternal Sun, <laughs> which is no nice. surprise. You know, nope. I really did like a lot of these other tracks. That Wiley & Wright track is great. Mm-hmm. Slay the Spire is great. I loved your mm-hmm. Clubhouse Games track, too. But yeah, your your Dungeons and Dragons track for sure. That that really caught my ear, and I was like, "Whoa, that's really exciting and fun and energetic, and <laughs> that's my jam." Although I gotta say, if I had a follow up, like second pick, I'd go with the Patreon pick for Itadaki yeah. Street. It's, DS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. I think we're actually in more or less the same place here. <laughs> I I was gonna also pick the Dungeons and Dragons Warriors of the Eternal Sun track. Nice. Following that up, maybe with Gwent and uh, and then Itadaki Street. Not um, Super I... Battleship? Shocked. Shocked. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, no. Nah, definitely not. <laughs> okay. That's that's fair. Totally fair. I, they can't all be gems. No, no. So, we'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons, without whom this show's continued improvement would be impossible. They are Alex Messenger, Cam Worma, Chris Hart, Dan Lawton, Jordan and Anson Davis... Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 Podcast, Scott McElhone, Chris Myers, The Autistic Gamer 89, Bedroth, Brad Austin, Chris Murray, Jeremy Rutz, Lama Adam, Marcus Stewart, Nathan Cooper, Matthew Hanola, Nick Davis, and Ryan McPherson. If you would like to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash XVGM radio. There you can see the different tiers as well. Just $1 gets you a thank you and access to our monthly live shows. You can visit our website, xvgmradio.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and learn more about your hosts, as well as any of our guests or composers that we've had on the show. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. You can join our Facebook group and chat with other VGM lovers at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash XVGM radio, where we talk about everything from current game news to sharing awesome VGM tracks or just talking about the podcast itself. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on both those sites is at XVGM radio. If you don't have any other social media or just want to try something unique, check us out on our Discord group chat. Links in the show notes. All right, coming up in two weeks, Justin, we're coming back for episode 72, and we're bringing a guest. What are we doing? We are. So we're going to be taking a look at some games from a particular company known as Vanillaware, and they, they've had a few neat releases. Uh, we'll, we'll save any of that for when we actually do the episode, because there aren't enough games for us to do one track from each game. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be doubling up a little bit, I think. Right. Yeah. We're also going to have, as you said, a guest on. Uh, we are going to be visited by Pragmatic. Yes, he's a YouTube buddy of mine and a super fan of the Vanillaware company. He has talked a lot about Vanillaware games on his channel. If you just type in YouTube Pragmatic, P-R-A-G-M-A-T-I-K, that is who you're going to find. So his name is also Joey Hurst. You might be able to find him that way. But uh, he does really funny reviews on video games, and I highly recommend checking him out. His stuff is very underrated. 
And uh, we're glad to have him on the show coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun, and he knows a ton about these games, so it'll be enjoyable to hear him gush about his love of VanillaWare. Yeah, I know, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, so this is Mike. And Justin. Signing off for XVGM Radio. Thank you, Jordan and Anson Davis, our patrons, for calling in and requesting it. 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 it, it, it Ita, bleh, nah, I, Ita, I can't even say it. Itadaki. <laughs> Itadaki, yeah. Dragon Quest and Super Mario. So I, uh, I was enjoying yeah. I was going to say, like, Dice Sucker. Like Good, you, great, you, you moving get, on. You get to, you know, roll the <laughs> dice. Like, come on, roll the dice, sucker. Like that sort of thing. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, I I want to I want to know more about this game that came out in 1991 called Jesus Two. Jesus Two? You never you never saw the sequel to Jesus? <laughs> no. You haven't lived, my friend. Uh, clearly. There's there's, right, there's mechs. There's hot hot robot babes. There's this is a bit ironic, but there is a character in that game called Pudding. Um, <laughs> of but there is. it's just a woman made of pudding. So, yeah. All right. This episode produced it. You yeah, produced it. Produced it is a word now. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, we are we are real human people. Yes, we are. <laughs> okay. It looks like we're getting a call on the. What is it? I, I for, totally the, forgot. The caller request. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoops. What's that blue phone for again? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whoops. Uh, <laughs> All right, let me start over.